Hey guys, Alana Terry here. You're listening to the Successful Writer Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. I am including an interview that I recently recorded with Joe Solari, where he is interviewing me about making a living with your writing, going from being a hobby author to a business author, and basically what sums it up is treating your writing like a business and not just something you're doing on the side, sort of the practical as well as the mindset shifts that take an author from somebody who just loves to do what they're doing, loves the craft, to somebody who is making it a point to be earning a full-time living with their books and how to get from, you know, stage one to stage two. So I hope it's enjoyable for you. I hope that you are having a blessed and encouraged day and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Joe Solari here with the Business of Writing, and I'm Terry. How are Good. you, Alana? Good. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah. So um, Alana and I uh, got to know each other through the 20 Books group, and she's actually worked with me on her business. But today we're going to talk about her career, right ends and how it's been for her juggling all the different things that she's got in her life. And what's great about her, her story from the, what I know of it, and we'll know more after this is, you know, she's kind of had the traditional deal of like, she's loved to write and had to really, you know, go through all the struggles that an author does no audience. So mm -hmm. with that, why don't you tell us a little bit how you got started? Okay. So I've always wanted to be a writer, a pretty typical story that you hear from a lot of authors, you know, dreams since early, early childhood, even before I knew how to read, I wanted to write stories. And then by about junior high, uh, especially by high school, the encouragement from authority figures was we'll find a, you know, a real career. And if you feel like writing on the side, maybe that'll happen. <laughs> and so I went to college with a biology degree applied to med school, decided that was the last thing in the world I wanted to do. Got married, had kids, was a pastor's wife, stay-at-home mom, and all of a sudden decided, hey, I still want to write. And at that point, we're talking like maybe around 20, 2010 was when I wrote my first actual full novel manuscript. I'd started a bunch by then. So, you know, indie publishing was kind of sort of around, but it was mostly the vanity publishing mm -hmm last resort. If you can't get a publishing deal, it's what you do. And I didn't want to do that, but I'm, I'm out in rural Alaska. And so much of getting a publishing deal is networking, going to conferences. I had a special needs son. I was stay at home. It just wasn't going to work for me to like travel to try to, you know, shop my manuscript around or, you know, get mm -hmm. known. But speaking of my son with special needs, he's doing great now, by the way, but I ended up writing a blog about his first five years having a lot of medical trauma. And I ended up just compiling those blog articles into a book that I published as a paperback, basically just for family and friends. And I did mm -hmm. that through Create Space. And I realized, wow, that's pretty simple to do. So this was about 2013. Like I said, I had a finished manuscript by then. I had shopped it around to some agents. It had won, a, won an award for a writing contest. So I, I felt it was ready or pretty close to ready. And then when I realized getting this memoir out, how easy it was to go through Create Space and KDP, I thought to myself, well, maybe I'll just do this for my first novel. 
first novel took off in a pretty neat way. And then, like you were saying, I had, you know, quite a few years in between to to get my groove, kind of that sophomore slump that some people talk about. And, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, just a couple months ago was six years from when that first book was published. I'm up to maybe like in the 35 to 40 book range. It, it stays really hard to keep track because, okay. you know, not everything's out right now. And it's like, well, when do you count it as a published book or whatever? You know, do novellas count as three quarters of a book? But somewhere in the, you know, 35 to 40, my goal was to have 40 books out by the time I turned 40. And I'm, I've still got four years to hit that. So I'm, I'm ahead of the game. So that's my story. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Since you started, like, talk a little bit about like how you started to discover, like, improve your business, and you know when did you maybe a, a way point to to start is start thinking about like this wasn't just like a hobby. A hobby, yeah. Well, I remember having an epitome one day. Mm -hmm. I spent the entire day on formatting. And I realized like, this is a full-time job. This is more than a full-time job, <clears throat> but I wasn't, making, you know, I wasn't making full-time earnings for sure. But, you know, like I said, I got really discouraged right after book one. So basically book one took off in a way that I wasn't expecting. It won quite a few awards. It had quite a few just things handed to it on a silver platter in terms of like getting selected for book bub things for the back when ACX would offer to pay your narrator, you know, if they thought your book had potential. So I just kind of went into it, assuming that like everything I touched was going to be that blessed. And I, mm. after publishing book one, had some really debilitating carpal tunnel because I wasn't taking care of myself. I was doing, you know, an entire like 12 hours of formatting <laughs> without a break in between. And so I had to really sew down. And then when I was working on book two, had a lot of self-doubt, you know, it, it felt like there was a lot to live up to, <clears throat> but my husband gave me some really good encouragement about just think about where you want to be in five years. And okay, in five years, are you going to look back and remember that on May 2nd, someone left you a two-star review? You know, no, you're not going to remember <laughs> that. So I think that conversation, he and I still refer back to that conversation, you know, that look at it five years, you know, that was probably about five years ago. <laughs> and where do you want to be? Mm. And that's when I realized, you know, I, I am, I'm in this for the long haul, a bad review or a bad, a slow sales month isn't what keeps me from being an author. What would keep me from being an author is if I gave up. So I would say that that's yeah. kind of what, what turned the switch for me. Hmm. I, I've got a similar thing. Um, I'm writing about something that I think is really super important. It's like, what was I worrying and fretting about <laughs> even last sixty-five week. days ago? I know you, you don't. If remember. I can, rem <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, mm -hmm. it seems really important. No, I, I can't. And then some of them were pretty big deals. Like they, oh, they were, sure. yeah, they were pretty big. But, but it's like, no, it, it just it, this too shall pass. So yep. that's that's so you were back then when like there wasn't any great tools for formatting. And, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in some ways, I, I consider myself lucky. I feel like I was 
I don't think I was in the first wave. Like I would say the first wave were the authors who were already published in like 2011, 2012, already going indie. But I was definitely in like either at the tail end of wave one or right on wave two. And so I feel like my marketing has kind of come of age right alongside with all the platforms, which is helpful because when I published my first book, we were told you need to have a blog. And that was the only thing we were told, you know, that was the only have to do <laughs> that we were told. And so I got mm. myself my blog, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm doing it all. And now, like, if you're just starting out now, you're told you have to have a newsletter, you have to have a sign up, you have to have a lead magnet, you have to have ads on, you know, these three or four platforms. That's crazy overwhelming. So I kind of added things one at a time as they became available, you know, which helped, I think, because otherwise it does feel really overwhelming. Mm. So can you think of a kind of like a time or like what was the, you know, impetus for things really kind of taking off and developing into you know, what you're doing now, which is, you know, and career from your writing, maybe feels like now you're working two jobs. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Things changed a decent amount. You know, like in some ways, I would say it really was kind of steady growth, but I could also pinpoint a couple times it really did feel like massive game changers. One of the big game changers was when book one in one of my series was selected for a book bub deal. And this was maybe like two to two and a half years ago. And I had had BookBub deals before that. And I just kind of knew like my my entire business strategy was hope and pray for a BookBub deal. And but I also had been hearing these horror stories about how like BookBub deal, the tail is shorter. You know, like I had one BookBub deal where like day three after my deal, I had maybe like two sales, you know, like it took mm -hmm. two days of a spike and then I was right back to where I was. <clears throat> and so I realized going into that BookBub deal, like I don't want to have to depend on BookBub for my the health of my business. You know, that seems like a really bad plan. Mm -hmm. And so what I decided to do, since I knew it was going to be a big royalty month, I decided that I was going to learn Facebook ads and Amazon ads so that when my royalties came in two months later, basically I just, you know, people have used the term like be your own BookBub. <laughs> I kind of wanted to do that. I didn't want to rely on BookBub. Now I'm to the point where like that series, I don't even try to get onto BookBub anymore just because I know that I make more money when I uh, promote it myself when it's full price than I would if I were to discount it and hope that they would promote it for me. Mm -hmm. So that was a big, big game changer. And that was when I went from, I love to write and I just really hope and pray that something good will happen and someone will choose my books for, you know, BookBub or whatever it might be to okay, this is, it's on me now. You know, I feel like that's when I kind of took ownership of the marketing side. I mean, I did marketing things before that, but this is when I was realizing I'm not going to rely on other people to say whether or not I'm going to have a good sales month, you know? And mm, um, yeah. yeah, another big change happened a little over a year ago. So that was when my husband transitioned from being a full-time pastor at a real small rural church to we moved to the suburbs. He's working for a company doing like foster family licensing. So he's not employed by the church anymore. And that did a couple things. It One of it was just totally mindset because there's this notion that, you know, pastors and pastor families live very simply, which makes sense. You know, like we were getting people were donating their own money so that we could have a salary so it didn't make sense to live outlandishly you know <laughs> but mm -hmm. but once we stopped being a pastor i realized hey you know what like i can i can earn more before my 
my goal with my writing earnings always had been to make enough that I could keep writing, you know, and just kind of justify the expense and to make it so that my husband didn't have to work a second job because he had done that for a long time as a pastor too, working two jobs. And then when he transitioned to a new job, First of all, the, you know, the expenses of moving and all of that and like job uncertainty, that for sure made me realize, okay, this needs to become more than just I'm doing this. Even though I was making like business wages, I was still treating the money as hobby money, you know? So like if I had a good month, I mm -hmm. could decide that I, you know, basically most of it was going back into the business. And then when he switched jobs, A, I realized, okay, it's it's not wrong for us to want to earn more money. <laughs> and also like the family actually needs a little more cost of living's higher. Our boys are getting bigger, which means they're eating like gobs of food, <laughs> you know? So that, that was a transition from kind of this mindset of everything that I possibly can put back into the business, I wanna put back into the business, which which was nice. I mean, I do feel like that's what helped helped things grow fast at that time but then it really does come a point when no you need your business needs to take care of you <laughs> and not the other way around so when you hear people say things like you know you need to treat your writing like a business what does that mean for you when you hear that or how do you think about like well, you said this is a, a yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of people have money hangups. I know creatives can have money hangups where it's, you know, if you're making a commercial living, then you're just a sellout. And even if nobody says that, I think a lot of people still kind of have that mindset or, you know, a mindset of, well, my books are good mm -hmm. enough that I shouldn't have to pay anybody to market them for me. They should just be discovered and, and sell well because they're that good. So for me, the the big shift one of the big shifts really has been more of a mindset shift that no i'm not selling out if i want to earn a lot of money from this i'm not a bad person i'm not you know some selfish greedy <laughs> person you know i think for me i believe enough in my books that that makes me want to promote them you know so that's that's kind of where i've seen a shift just in my own thinking and how are you, how are you doing that? How are you connecting with your audience? I mean, you said like in the beginning, it was like, have a blog. Now, <laughs> now what is that <laughs> morphed yeah. into? Are they like coming over for dinner tonight? Or? <laughs> no, no, they're, they're not. <laughs> but uh, I would say my two big primary focuses are my newsletter and just running ads. So let's see, my, my newsletter is pretty active in that I'm emailing probably anywhere between like three to six times a month. I've got a really long automated sequence where like, it's not quite every Saturday, but quite a few Saturdays out of the month, they'll get an email about one of the books in my backlists and all of that's kind of running in the background. And then I'm, you know, keeping them up to date on new releases. So I work pretty hard to keep my newsletter, you know, active and, and curated. I, I take about twice a year, you know, I'll take a week or two to do a complete newsletter audit where, you know, I'm just making sure that all the automations are still working and that any, you know, mm, any books I've published since then get added into this automated sequence and things like that. And then the other thing I've been doing since um, a couple years ago when I realized that I don't want to rely on BookBub anymore is running paid ads, mostly to Facebook and Amazon. And I am doing some with BookBub 
click ads. And so that's how I'm kind of continuing to find new readers. And then the newsletter is how I'm sort of nurturing my relationship with existing readers. Okay. And have you, have you been able to see over time how that newsletter is built and, and gave, is that one way of the ways that you're kind of seeing how your audience is building? Or? Yeah. You know, I used to, how are you measuring your, it's a little hard to measure. I, I had a, a whole, maybe not quite a year, but I went like six or nine months where I was trying to capture every single sale that came from a newsletter follower with like its own unique affiliate tag. So I would know exactly what I wanted to know is exactly how much do I earn per subscriber. And it just got to be too hard to track. Mm -hmm. First of all, cause I'm just set mm -hmm. up as an Amazon affiliate in the U S so that doesn't count international readers. And then the affiliate tracking for the wide stores is like, I think I'm technically set up, but I don't even think I've ever opened the dashboards for those or anything. So I'm a bit of guesswork. You can't of, find you know, the dashboard, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have to like search my old emails every time I, I even want to try to look it up. And then like, yeah, no sales. So what I, what I do do is I'll look sometimes at trends for those Saturday emails. Like there are, one of the things I do, I don't run as many ads to my box sets, but those are what I promote pretty heavily in my automation sequence. And so I do look for trends mm -hmm. and things like that. So like, okay, I've been running this, uh, you know, this email in my automation sequence for six months now that advertises this box set. I'm going to assume that at least a, a decent sized chunk of those sales come from the email list because I'm not doing a ton of promotion with them elsewhere. That's about as close as I've been able to get. Sadly, I would love it to be more exact where I could be like, okay, I know that if I send out an email to 5,000 people, then exactly this percent are going to open and that percent are going to click mm -hmm. and then that percent are going to buy. And therefore I know that a subscriber, you know, earns me this much, but I haven't been able to make that math work out yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's pretty difficult with, you know, the fact that you, you most of your sales Amazon. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. I, the closest I came is I looked at my open rates and then I looked at my click rates and then I looked at some of my conversion rates on some of the other platforms and I came up with a guess. So I think it was something like 50% opens. 15% clicks and then 25% of the clicks purchase. And so that gave me at least kind of a feel of what I could go by and then multiply that by how, however many emails I send out a year, you know, to, to get a guess. But yeah. Perfect. But still that's, it's good that you're thinking that that's a great way to be at least having a feel for at least an idea. Yeah. How, I've been running yeah. some Facebook lead gen ads to grow my email list and I think right now I'm getting subscribers for maybe like 35 cents a subscriber. And back when I started those a couple of years, I'm like, I don't know if that's good or not. Like, you know, how do you measure that? <laughs> so yeah, 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 doing it that way again, it's not perfect, but at least gives me a feel for what it might be. Well, and that's all that are to see where the lifetime value of your customer is, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, you had, mm -hmm. what was it? Nearly 60 books. How many series is that? Three main series and a couple kind of smaller. Well, four, yeah, four main series yeah. with a few branch off parallel, you know, books. Mm -hmm. Yep. Have, when we, before we jump your links, have you set up your 
series with the read through functionality? Yeah, yeah, it's a really nice, helpful tool. So it's pretty easy to go and look for each series. I know what I'm going to earn for every sale of book one. And then I can even estimate, and it, it kind of like the newsletter thing, it's not perfect, but I can estimate that like 15 to maybe 25% of people will cross over from one series to another. So that kind of helps give a feel also. So basically I'm to where just about any book I sell, I'm in my mind and in my calculations figuring at least like a seven to $10 return. No, that's great to know. Most people don't know that. They're just Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah, and it's really helpful because, you know, you look at your Amazon Ads dashboard and you see, you know, a 101% A cost and you turn off your ad and like, "Oh, this ad is doing terrible." <laughs> when really it might be making you, you know, like mm. 300%. <laughs> so, when you Right, right. and stuff. Right. Have you tried any direct selling through your newsletter? A tiny bit. What I did set up is I have a Patreon page. Uh, one of my series is set in North Korea, and I've been involved with a nonprofit that works on helping North Korean refugees all the way since book one. I've been involved with this organization. And so I set up a Patreon page where people can get one free book a month. Or I think it's up to three, depending on your level. You can get anywhere from one to three free books a month by subscribing to Patreon. And then that money is sent to Liberty in North Korea, which is the organization I worked with. So that's been a neat way for, for the readers to kind of feel like they're part of it. The Patreon itself, I think we're up to maybe 25 to 30 patrons. I would have to go and look, no, maybe more, 30, 35 to 50 patrons. But over since I've been doing this for so long and I've run a few other fundraisers too, like we're up to, I think our readers have earned over 20,000 so far for Liberty North Korea, which is really neat. And I think it's fun for them That's to kind of feel like they're, you know, like they're part of this and to get books by, by helping to be part of it. That's the, the closest I've dived into direct sales. I think I set up a, when BookFunnel introduced their integration with PayPal, I think I set up a link so that people could buy all nine books in my most popular series from me for free, but I never promoted it or did anything with it. I just, it's somewhere mm. on my website. If I wanted to dig it up, I could. One that, you know, I, I've, talk to a lot of authors about is, you know, before you start cleaning out your mailing list, deciding people are, you know, not worth being on it, at least run one direct sale because there's some folks that would love to buy the books direct from the author. And uh, mm -hmm. I know some folks that I'm working with now, um, so concerned about rank right. are are using the 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 newsletter as where they burst. Mm -hmm. I have for sure thought about something. that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely been in the back of my mind but not something that I've jumped on to experiment a whole lot with immediately. So, before we kind of wrap up on this, what would you say, you know, 2019 somebody's getting started what are your suggestions for them to think about as a, a new starting author? Should I be snarky um, and knowing say what you know now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be my snarky answer. <laughs> 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 um, 
<laughs> Go back to 2013 and that was all you needed. No, you don't need a blog. You know, I would say, honestly, I think one of the most important things is just the, the mindset and the foundational stuff is that you're in this for the long haul. You know, not many people put up their book and make hundreds of sales in the first week, first month. <laughs> it can take a while. You know, I've heard some people say don't pay for advertising until you have three books out. I think that could go either way, but definitely just keep the long haul perspective in mind is the most important. And probably, you know, the very next step would be getting, you know, your your email list going and nurtured so that you can capture those readers at the very beginning. Like I when I published my first book, like I said, it it it, it broke out really well in an exciting way, but there was nothing for people to do after that. I didn't have a website sign up or anything. So people, after they read that, started going mm. to my memoir, which, like I said, like that was just for family and friends. Like I think I actually took it down for a while because it felt kind of invasive to have people I didn't know buying it. But, you know, like they wanted something. <laughs> and so if you don't have another book yet, I would definitely say at least at the very least get an email capture. And then really, if you can find a way to turn your books into a series, I think series in general tends to be a lot easier to promote. Like I said, because I can, I can calculate for like eight to $10 that I get back for every sale of book one, where if, you know, it was, if they were all standalone books, it would be harder. Mm. No, that's great. Great advice. I think that goes a long way in the beginning is understand that long haul piece, right? Like, yeah. And I think that that's, that's the difference now from even three years ago is it because read, you read, there's more out there for readers to, to write Christian suspense. Mm -hmm. Do you have any feel for like, how many books have been added into that genre since you started? Hmm. No, I don't. Although, interestingly, I think it was on the Selmore Book Show. They mentioned that out of an entire survey of brick and mortar bookstores, the, the Christian bookstores were the only ones. I mean, it was a small margin of growth, but everything else had gone down. So I know like it's still a market, but, you know, it is for sure a specialized market, too. But no, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, those details. I wish that Kalytics would would do something with Christian fiction. That would be super interesting to hear. Well, we'll have to bug Alex about that. Yeah, yeah. If you've got his direct info, please do. <laughs> we want a Christian fiction Kalytics. Yeah, and I, for that. I wouldn't be surprised if he. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets there eventually. I mean, he's been digging deep. Uh, yeah. He would for my stuff that I'm going to be doing at Nink, he was pulling together some data for me and, you know, certainly not anything like your genre, but, you know, just lit RPG years ago, I think it was, has mm -hmm. got four times the number of titles in it. Yeah. So, so I'm, again, I have no data on your genre, but I would, would just mm -hmm. think that there's just more people that, are in there just just look at what you've done in there mm -hmm. right like you've mm -hmm. gone from one book to 30 books so like right, it's, right. It, you know don't take this the wrong way but you're part of the problem for a new re a new writer right because it's harder to break through yeah anybody that's a fan of yours yeah yeah well, anybody that's your fan is 
busy reading your yeah. books. And the Amazon algorithms really have made it harder. You know, it used to be all about just visibility, getting into also bots. And now it's a lot more about, you know, paying for the ads and, and that kind of thing. So I, I do think it's harder to break in these days, not impossible for sure, but harder. And that's why I really encourage people who are interested in ads, like start now, don't say, well, yeah, I'll start that in a year or two, because they're just going to get more expensive. <laughs> you know, like I've only been running my own ads for about two years and I'm paying double or more the, you know, cost per click than I was when I started. And that's not going to, you know, that's not going to change and go backwards. <laughs> it's like gas prices. <laughs> so that's, that's one. No, reason no. Start now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my I was nonfiction, fashion, and style stuff. This very mm -hmm. small niche that she does yeah. well in, and advertising works really well. And off ads, we've got some super old ads on Amazon, and I'll go and turn them on now, and they won't perform. And it's like click is gone, like quintupled. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In some cases, it has. It's like, who's advertising in this space? Yeah, yeah. I remember um, getting so you yeah. know, cent clicks and, and not having that be all that weird, <laughs> you know, like yeah. eight cent clicks, 12 cent clicks. That, that was kind of the normal for a little while. I, I'm, you know, I don't want to be doom and gloom. Those days really are gone, though. So it's, yeah, start now <laughs> if yeah. you don't want to be in the, you know, $2 per click club. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Alana, it's been great to have you on. I uh, really appreciate the time. And, yeah, um, it was fun. Any Chad. parting words? Any new books you got coming up? Oh, I do have a new thriller. So I, I'm a big fan of psychological thrillers, which there really isn't anything from a Christian perspective in those. So Forget Me Now is my first uh, psychological thriller that's out. It does have a Christian element, but I'm I'm excited about that one. It's been really fun to to get out there in the world. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show and thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, thanks, Joe. We'll talk to you later. All right. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Joe. I want to thank him for taking the time to interview me and also invite you guys listening to the free webinar that Joe and I will be presenting a week from Thursday. So we're talking about the last Thursday in August, and we're going to be doing a live webinar going more into detail about how to treat your business as a writing. <laughs> Did I say that backwards? How to treat your writing as a business. I knew that didn't sound right. So I hope you join us for that webinar and I hope you're having a great day.